The creators of Politics Weekly have a new series now out. The series that has amassed nearly 20,000 listeners is now getting a spin-off on online radio. Politics Weekly Live is a follow-up to Politics Weekly, bringing you more content, live commentary, and the ability to respond to stories live. Politics Weekly Live is available to listen to every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on WPSR, the official radio station of Purchase College, and will be posted wherever you listen to podcasts following recording. Hey everyone, welcome to Politics Weekly. Politics Weekly is a weekly nonpartisan podcast featuring some of the biggest names in politics and portraying some of the biggest political stories of the week through both left and right leaning lenses. Hosted by award winning journalist Nolan Cleary, the former editor in chief of the Hudsonian newspaper, Politics Weekly has been listened to by over 15,000 people worldwide. The views expressed by guests on our show are not necessarily the views expressed by the host, Nolan Cleary. All right, everyone, welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, Today, we are here with Scott Stalker. He is a political consultant, and he's been a frequent guest on our show before. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Scott. Thanks for having me, Nolan. Glad to be back. Uh, So tell us a little bit about some of the campaigns that you've been on before. Well, really, not not much of note other than, uh, you know, obviously, uh, statewide campaign in 06, uh, and then contributed to some local uh, sheriff and, and town politics mostly after that. All right. Um, so uh, why don't we uh, jump right in? We'll get right into the news this week so far. Uh, so uh, this week, uh, former president... Uh, Donald Trump and 2024 presidential candidate uh, came under fire for his uh, meeting with a controversial uh, uh, internet personality. Uh, Trump uh, met with, uh, uh, invited Kanye West uh, to uh, the pop star to Mar-a-Lago uh, for, um, for a, re- uh, for a uh, lunch event. Uh, Kanye West is running for the presidency in 2024. Uh, West obviously has been under fire for anti-Semitic comments. Uh, West, while meeting with Trump, uh, met, uh, brought uh, Nick Fuentes, a controversial internet star uh, who uh, has come under fire for his denial of the Holocaust, to uh, Mar-a-Lago and... Um, uh, after the uh, meeting, uh, multiple Republicans uh, and Democrats denounced Trump for meeting with Fuentes. Trump took to Truth Social to say uh, that he did not know who Fuentes was and that he had not heard of him before the event had happened. What are your thoughts on this controversy? It's really, uh, 
you know, it's surprising that someone like uh, Mr. Fuentes could get so close uh, to a former president. It's not surprising that Trump's organization lacks quality control because, frankly, I, I believe all the decisions are concentrated, um, you know, within him. Uh, and there's not enough delegation there. You know, uh, Kanye West is a sick, you know, man from all the accounts that I've uh, listened to his you know, long form interview with uh, Lex Friedman. Uh, he, he obviously needs help. Mr. Fuentes, who I'd never uh, actually heard of prior to this, um, which is really the problem because it, it kind of elevates his uh, stature, is, um, well, deplorable, I think, is an appropriate term, um, you know, in describing him. I, I don't believe Trump is an anti-Semite. Um, I don't think he is, you know, ascribed to Mr. Fuentes's beliefs. I can't imagine that he had never heard of him before. Um, but it's really, it should be, it's embarrassing. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so uh, right now, um, Republicans uh, recently, during the midterms, Republicans retook a narrow majority in the United States House of Representatives. Um, now there is a contest for who will become likely the new Speaker of the House uh, since Republicans uh, have taken over. Um, the obvious candidate for the job would be uh, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader of the United States House of Representatives. Uh, but he has seen some challenge uh, from within his party, uh, specifically Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs uh, tried to uh, run against Kevin McCarthy uh, in a uh, party contest for speaker, uh, but he was soundly defeated uh, by McCarthy in that contest. Uh, now, uh, multiple Republicans are threatening not to vote for McCarthy on the House floor um, when it comes to a floor vote for Speaker, and that vote would include both the Democrats and the Republicans, uh, not just the Republicans voting. Um, any, any candidate running for Speaker, whether they are Republican or Democrat, require 218 votes in the United States House of Representatives to uh, be elected Speaker of the House. What are your thoughts uh, on uh, on this? I like the, a theory that I read that said that uh, potentially there was a, um, you know, there was an opportunity for Liz Cheney to become Speaker. I don't think that's uh, realistic, but I did like it. Um, and I thought it would be uh, symbolic. I think ultimately the House will probably coalesce around McCarthy. Um, some some folks, I, I think some folks have come out publicly and said they would not vote for him, but may be cajoled into it. Um, that may be their, their uh, what would you say, their opening or uh, starting bargaining position. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. It, it, the way... I think political power often works, though, 
is it, you know, the power of incumbency, right? And it becomes um, quite intoxicating to be around the person who is even in the minority um, leader. And in those, that incumbent, I think, garners with him a lot of weight. And ultimately what can happen is for the sake of unity, um, people tend to lay down their swords. I think uh, Nancy Pelosi went through uh, two leadership battles in a row, right? Where in the second one, it was no way it was going to be her. You know, people were never Pelosi, I think, or something like that, you know, AOC in the squad. But um, but ultimately, I think, came around. I think that'll happen again for McCarthy. All right. Uh, well, let's move on. Uh, the uh, Republicans uh, are not uh, just people that are going to have to pick a leader. But on the Democratic side, uh, Democrats are obviously uh, on the hunt to find a, uh, a new person to take over uh, as the Democratic leader of the House uh, uh, Congressional Caucus. So right now, Nancy Pelosi has been the top uh, dog in the Democratic Caucus in the United States House of Representatives for nearly 20 years. Uh, she announced that she would not be uh, seeking that leadership position again, uh, which means that Democrats uh, must pick a new leader for the position. Uh, very likely, whichever leader they cho uh, choose uh, would serve as minority leader of the United States House of Representatives uh, until 2020, uh, until at least 2025. Um, right now, uh, the uh, key Democrat running is Hakeem Jeffries. He is a uh, congressman from uh, New York, and he is also the uh, number uh, three, he's also the number four Democrat in, uh, uh, in the United States House of Representatives currently. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the, uh, on the uh, current battle for uh, leadership within the Democratic Party? What a mess. It's, it seems like Jeffries is uh, softening some of his positions, omitting some of his uh, former uh, hard lines uh, from some of his current uh, talking points. And I, I think that's what he has to do. He, I, you know, it's certainly a departure from Nancy Pelosi, who compared to Jeffries is a conservative, if all things are relative. Um, I think ultimately it will be Jeffries. It's his to lose, I think, right now. He'll find some support within the progressive base. And what tends to happen during the forensics post-election is parties that have lost, uh, the, although it's counterintuitive, the, the most radical in the party, uh, radicals on that side of the party, progressives in this case, um, tend to tend to uh, elevate their voices and say this: the reason we lost because we weren't progressive enough. Even if that was not what the exit polling uh, seemed to indicate, because it, it seems like you know the Democrats lost um, certainly in New York State. Uh, part of that is, you know, the uh, catch and release or uh, bail reform, as they would call it. Um, 
you know, the no, no bail law. But but it, it seems to me like it's Jeffries to lose, and he is in order to be leader. Um, you have to bargain and I think right now he's bargaining with some of his harder lines and by omitting them from his talking points and I think that means that he's committed to to running and, and becoming leader of the Democratic Party in the, in the House all right uh, well let's move on to the next story uh, the 2022 midterm elections uh, happened just recently uh, Republicans failed to take back the United States House of Representatives at the end of the day. Uh, Democrats uh, have at least 50 seats, whereas Republicans will be left with 49 next week. There will be a Georgia runoff to determine uh, whether the Senate will stay tied or whether Democrats will gain a seat. But regardless of what happens uh, during that runoff, Democrats will have a majority in the United States Senate for at least the next two years. Uh, despite that, um, it seems uh, in 2024, the 2024 Senate races have already gotten started. Uh, many Republicans are hoping that they will have a better chance of taking back the Senate uh, as Republican, as Democrats are defending um, multiple uh, races in states that Donald Trump carried by big margins in 2020, uh, such as West Virginia, a state that Donald Trump won by 39 points, uh, Montana, a state that, uh, Donna, uh, that Donald Trump won by 19 points, and Ohio, a state that Donald Trump won by eight points, whereas Republicans uh, don't have to defend any seats in states that Joe Biden won in two years. Uh, one of the states that Republicans are hoping to make a pickup in, uh, there are already talks of candidates uh, running in, and that is the state of West Virginia. Of course, Joe Manchin, uh, who has uh, long had a reputation of being uh, a bit of a maverick in the Democratic uh, Senate caucus, um, oftentimes uh, taking positions and votes uh, that, uh, that um, are not seen as conventional within the party is seeking uh, another is uh, could seek another term in the Senate, though he hasn't announced whether he will or not. Um, already, multiple Republicans are lining up to run against him. Uh, recently, Congressman Alex Mooney from West Virginia uh, became the first Republican to announce his candidacy for that position. Um but he's also not the uh, only Republican who may be running. Uh, right now, Jim Justice, the governor of West Virginia, uh, is, uh, has announced that he is considering a run against Manchin as a Republican. Uh, Jim Justice was elected for the first time in 2016 to be governor as a Democrat, but he was reelected in 2020 as a Republican. He said he may run for that position uh, as well. Uh, and finally, one other Republican considering running is Patrick Morrissey, the Attorney General of the state of West Virginia. Morrissey previously ran in 2018, but narrowly lost to Joe Manchin. Uh, what are your thoughts um, on Republicans already lining up a field uh, to go up against Joe Manchin in two years? You know, Joe Manchin uh, probably single-handedly prevented inflation from being a runaway problem by 
stymieing uh, the president's attempts to spend $3 trillion. Uh, had we had had we pumped three trillion more dollars into our economy uh inflation uh, could have been much much worse and so it's interesting uh i think the maverick title fits with mansion because somehow uh he connects with you know coal miners and cafeteria workers and at the same time um i think represents his state and you know the sensibilities of his state so it, it'll be interesting. I don't know that it will change much other than, well, it would, it would you know, uh, depending on how the other races go, uh, it could be, you know, a pivotal seat. But imagining that um, whatever party is in control, the Republicans take it back, you know, if, if that is not a key seat, um, although every seat you could argue is key, but, but if that is not the, you know, kingmaker seat, let's say. I don't think you'll see much difference in terms of policymaking. It seems that uh, through Manchin, you know, the voters of that state are expressing um, a, a sort of moderate um, opinion. And so I think whoever wins would likely maybe move the needle, uh, you know, to the right slightly, but, but not much, not, probably not much from where Manchin stands today. All right, uh, so let's uh, move on to the uh, next story uh, on the list. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Democrats did take back uh, the Senate uh, this year, um, or they did, ha- oh, rather, I should say they held the Senate this year, uh, but there is one more Senate seat uh, that uh, has to uh, be voted on, and that is in the state of Georgia. Of course, in Georgia, uh, there are runoff laws that say that if a candidate does not receive uh, uh, 50% of the vote or more, then there must be a runoff to determine the winter, the winner of that election. Uh, on election night, uh, Raphael Warnock, the incumbent Democrat seeking re-election, uh, received just 49% of the vote uh, compared to Herschel Walker, who received just 48% of the vote. Because of that, next Tuesday on the 5th of December, there will be another uh, election uh, for that Senate seat. Uh, Warnock flipped the seat during a special election in 2020, uh, which also was held in 2021. He is hoping to hold the seat again for the next six years. Uh, As we said, Democrats have at least 50 seats. Uh, If uh, uh, Raphael Warnock uh, wins this seat, that will increase the Democrats' majority to 51 seats, which would be Uh, a gain uh, of one seat. Right now, they only have 50 seats. That would give them uh, one seat, which would give them a clear majority in the Senate without uh, having uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who is also the president of the Senate, as the tiebreaker. Um, Right now, he is running against uh, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is uh, a former NFL star, um, who is the Republican nominee, uh, hoping to challenge uh, Warnock. Um, Walker uh, did face uh, some controversies 
uh, earlier this year, uh, but he is hoping to flip the seat back to the Republicans um, and become a senator in January. Um, this race uh, remains uh, a key toss-up. However, multiple polls recently have shown that uh, uh, Warnock has a slight lead in the polls. Um, if Warnock wins, while uh, it likely wouldn't give Democrats, for at least for the next two years, it likely wouldn't give them uh, much of a say in uh, determining policy, um, you know, um, this is because of the fact that Republicans have the House, so likely they won't have uh, a, a lot of power in passing bills for the next two years. Um, despite this, uh, a an increase of one seat would definitely help uh, Joe Biden when it came to appointing uh, certain uh, candidates to both positions in his cabinet and to judge positions, federal judge positions. Uh, what are your thoughts on, and predictions uh, on the Georgia runoff for next week? I think, I, I cannot believe that the Republican Party of Georgia promoted Herschel Walker. And, and frankly, I think honestly, if, if we set aside what he, what he might support in terms of legislation, which I don't know his legislative uh, history, um, but I have heard him long form, and he, to me, appears to be wholly unqualified for the upper house. There just should be no doubt about that. And what it comes down to, though, is ideology, and 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 what I would be most afraid of with Herschel is, uh, given my measure of him, is that he would not understand uh, the legislation. And unfortunately, it, it would appear to be Warnock is the only qualified candidate, despite um, perhaps having an ideology that is not wholly compatible um, with some of, you know, the residents, his constituency. Having said that, what a crazy race. So I think Herschel Walker may actually eke it out. And that will have to do with a vote along party lines in a state uh, which is, I think, uh, pretty pretty well uh, equally divided. Um, but I think that the Republicans have some more energy in the base in that Joe Biden is not um, Barack Obama when it comes to campaigning for the midterms. Which, of course, what didn't go well for him, by the way. Uh, but... But ultimately, my prediction will be Warnock by a slim margin, and Herschel Walker will fade into the history books. All right. Well, let's uh, move on then to the next uh, story on our list. Uh, this involves uh, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. Uh, five years ago, uh, Bob Menendez, the Democratic New Jersey senator, beat a corruption charge. Uh, he was federally investigated uh, for uh, allegedly using um, campaign finances uh, for a gift, uh, to give gifts to his eye doctor in Florida. He was cleared of those charges, uh, but now recently, 
Uh, he is under investigation uh, for a uh, another. Uh, he is uh, for another uh, crime. Uh, the crimes are said to be similar to the crimes from uh, the last case. Um, they are scarce, uh, but they are said to be similar with him uh, allegedly under investigation uh, for um, for uh, paying uh, for gifts using campaign finances uh, for a um, for uh, an unidentified source. Uh, Menendez is considered a an extremely influential uh, politician in the New Jersey Democratic Party. Just this year, his uh, son was elected to the United States House of Representatives. Menendez is up for re-election in 2024 in two years. Uh, some uh, Democrats fear that this uh, inve- uh, federal investigation could uh, affect his re-election chances. What are your thoughts uh, on this investigation into Menendez? You know, I think we have to wait for the, the details to come out. Menendez uh, is in really in the Senate. Uh, I think the, the, you know, the prime age is uh, for a senator with experience and authority. Um, you know, certainly you're... you're uh, your 60s because you have a lay of the land and yeah it's really unfortunate that new jersey can't find uh any any type of opposition uh which which not to say that it it should go republican but that it would provide um the incumbents in that state with motivation uh to uh you know perhaps find their uh better angels when it comes to these decisions I don't know uh, whether Senator Menendez is guilty of violating the law. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll find out. And you know, if he is, I think it, it's time to go. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Um, on a, uh, since election night, uh, the Arizona governor's race was projected to have flipped from uh, red to blue with Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state of Arizona, uh, saying that she uh, or, or uh, be, uh, she was uh, Katie Hobbs uh, was um, she was running um, and she won that election. Um, right now, uh, however, uh, Kerry Lake is not conceding in that la- race. Kerry Lake was the Republican uh, candidate for that uh, position, um, and she uh, lost that race. Uh, but she is not conceding, uh, claiming that the election uh, was stolen uh, from her in that race. Um, multiple districts, uh, specifically Republican uh, heavy districts in Arizona uh, have said that they, uh, or or districts that Katie Hobbs won with Republican officials, are saying that they will not certify the results out of those districts. Um, President Donald Trump said on Truth Social that he thought the election was rigged and that Kerry Lake should be installed as governor of the state. 
the uh, claims from Kerry Lake uh, are similar uh, to the claims that President Trump made in 2020, claiming that he did not win the 2020 presidential election. What are your thoughts on Kerry Lake's claims that she actually won the 2022 Arizona governor's race? Carrie Lake, former news anchor, I believe, of uh, WNYT Channel 13, uh, which comes out of Albany, um, I think she's down by about 17 or 18,000 votes uh, currently. And where's the evidence? You know, just be, and it, what I love is you know, whether there were problems with the machines. Okay, that doesn't mean people didn't vote. That just means you might have had to uh, move to a different line. There's, you know, um, it's unfortunate and really um, it's a systemic illness uh, that the Republican Party currently is suffering uh, to try and take this kind of tact. And hopefully it doesn't gain traction. Carrie Lake, to me, uh, might have been governor had she embraced uh, the McCain family, uh, Megan McCain certainly made it known that, um, she was no fan and that she might've been helpful, uh, had Carrie Lake reached out to her. So I, I think it's just an ugly state. Ultimately, I, you know, you, you look at the count in Maricopa County and just say, what are they doing? They know this, they know the election's coming. What's the system? You know, how, what, if they had run this optimally, according to their current plan, what really would have been the performance? It just, it, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to watch. You know, like, these are adults. You know what's going to happen it's on election day. And I can imagine a day or two, you know, in order to sort things out. But weeks, I mean, that was really ridiculous. But I don't think there's been any evidence that there's actually been vote tampering. Or I, I know what... um Sometimes, you know, uh, Trump supporting Republicans will say vote harvesting. And and that may be an issue if voters are being bribed in any way or anything like that. But ultimately, uh, you know, Republicans need to learn how to get more votes. And if the new normal is early voting, then the Republican Party should become good at that. Uh, instead of watching the, the polls that day and the Republicans in the lead, and then as the mail-in or early ballots get counted, um, which, of course, you cannot do before Election Day for many, many ethical uh, you know, and security reasons. You could never do that. The, the Republicans need to understand that as those ballots are counted – they accumulate and the numbers change. That's the way voting works. And, you know, and unfortunately in Arizona, it seems to take uh, an awful long time. And th there ought to be some federal legislation maybe even to uh, incentivize election um, ballot totaling in some, you know, reasonable amount of time. All right. Uh, so uh, let's move on to the uh, next story on the list. Uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom will not challenge President Joe Biden for the presidency in 2024, assuming that President Biden opts to run for a second term. 
uh, earlier in 2022, earlier this year, uh, there were reports coming out that Newsom was preparing to mount a run for the presidency uh, in 2024, uh, and that uh, and that he was. Uh, that he could potentially even primary Joe Biden had Joe Biden opted to run again. Um, despite this, despite all this, uh, Politico recently reported uh, that Newsom had told Joe Biden uh, that he would not uh, run again, specifically calling uh Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klein, to give him the announcement over the phone. Newsom later uh, confirmed uh, this story to be true. Um, according to the report, Newsom told uh, Newsom uh, provided a statement saying, quote, I've told everyone in the White House from the chief of staff to the first lady, uh, unquote. Um, he also uh, reportedly said on the call uh, when it came to the idea of a Joe Biden re-election, quote, I'm all in, count me in, unquote. Um, the report did not say uh, whether Newsom would rule out a run for the presidency in the event that Joe Biden opted to uh, retire and not seek a second term, uh, but uh, uh and, and neither did Newsom, uh, but they did confirm that Newsom would not, as some reports suggested, uh, challenge uh, President Biden in a Democratic primary in the uh, event that he did run for a second term. What are your thoughts on Gavin Newsom uh, announcing that he is not going to run against Joe Biden in a primary if Joe Biden opts to run for a second term in the presidency. I think what was happening uh, within Newsom's political machinery was kind of uh, testing the waters to see what the reaction and support levels might be for a run. Um, they probably did the analytics and decided that um, it would not be uh, popular for him to do so were Joe Biden to decide to run again. I believe Joe has committed to running at this point. Um, he's 80 years old-ish today. Uh, he would he would be, um, you know, of course, two years older in 2024. Uh, I think the oldest president prior to that was Reagan at 77 when he was leaving office. Um, I'm not sure uh, how effective Joe Biden can be um, at 86 uh, were he to uh, win in 2024. Um, that is not to discredit uh, all 86-year-olds, just uh, just having evaluated Biden on his merits, you know, currently does not bode well, I think. Um, I, I much prefer a guy who's about 44 years old, and I think he, he would, he would uh, be a great contrast uh, in, in a, a great um, potential vulnerability for the Democratic uh, presidential run in 2024 would be if, and I, I highly doubt this will happen, but if uh, Donald Trump were to somehow go quietly into the night, that will never happen, of course, and the party rallied around DeSantis, you would then have an 82-year-old um, Joe Biden uh, debating a very sharp 44-year-old 
uh, Ron DeSantis. And I think that is something that would strike fear in the heart of all the political operatives on the uh, blue side of the aisle. Now, um, many people uh, have said that they think that uh, Newsom's decision uh, not to run may have been because of the result of the midterms. Of course, the midterms were considered a disappointment uh, for Republicans. Uh, many Democrats were happy with some of the gains that they made uh, during the midterms. Um, do you think that that may have uh, increased uh, Joe Biden's standing within the party and perhaps that uh, may have hurt the idea of a Newsom candidacy? I'm not sure how it affected Newsom, but I tend to think that the Republicans that did not do as well as had hoped were um, election-denying, you know, uh, Trump supporters. And, that, of course, that's not true universally. Uh, I think there was a lot to dislike for, for if you are a political analyst, whether you're Republican or Democrat, uh, this this past election was kind of a Rorschach test. I. I kind of like the Bill Maher position, which is maybe some sanity uh, came back, you know, to the voting public for this this past election. And some of the absolute, you know, wackadoos on both sides were were not uh, supported in a divided house. It gives the Republicans some party, but also stops uh, Joe Biden's uh, spending spree. So I, I don't know if Newsom was looking at the midterms as much as he was polling what his um, perception, public perception would be were he to challenge uh, Joe Biden. I think Newsom's in his 50s, um, and I think he w- would make a good candidate. Ultimately, uh, he's tireless. Um, he has his own personal flaws, uh, which we, you know, um, which we all saw during the COVID, uh, you know, while he was at the restaurants without the masks and doing all the things he, he told the public not to do, he was doing, and forgive me, I'm only human, he said something like that. But um, I, I would tend to think it had more to do with, certainly the, the midterms didn't help. Uh, so maybe they are a small factor, but, but probably also, you know, the, the president incumbency is such a powerful thing. There's so many jobs and so much power that comes with that position um, that the, the loyalty can be for country but can also be for pocketbook. And and so I think Newsom would have a lot to overcome there. And if, if the other thing about coming out early um, would be if Biden decided not to run, Newsom would have been well-positioned. Um, so I think that was a part of his uh, decision-making as well. Now, some people have blamed Newsom for Democrats losing the House uh, because um, there were multiple uh, competitive seats that were up for Democrats in uh, uh, 2022 that had Republican incumbents in California. Uh, Mike Garcia uh, was running in a Biden plus 14 district. Um, David Valadeo is running in a Biden plus 13 district. Um uh, uh, Michelle Steele, another Republican, was running in a Biden plus seven district, and all three of them won. And additionally, uh, a newly drawn seat that was supposed to go blue ended up going red. Many people are blaming that on Newsom, 
who didn't campaign uh, much during uh, the election cycle, ended up winning by a pretty comfortable 18-point margin, but did underperform. Many people are blaming him and saying that some of his coattails in some districts led to uh, Republicans uh, holding on in California and gaining back the United States House of Representatives. Do you think that that Democratic blame game, the fact that some of it is pointed towards Newsom may have hurt Newsom a little bit? Oh, I think that certainly could have hurt Newsom. The other thing that could hurt Newsom is, is some of the policies. It just... And, and it, you know, it doesn't even have to be a policy that necessarily that he has promoted himself. But I think, fortunately for us, for all of us, America tends to swing back and forth like a pendulum. And and uh, and that's probably healthy um, as we move forward together. Some of the very progressive policies um, that were that were. Uh, popular uh to discuss in um you know left-leaning and progressive circles uh you know uh, mastectomies for children and um you know uh, gender decisions of people that are you know prepubescent um those those types of things frankly don't resonate in the suburbs uh whether it's california or you know um any, any, really anywhere. And so I think part, part of what Newsom may have suffered and may be suffering is just from, um, you know, that gravity um, of the pendulum swinging back to the right to sort of correct, um, you know, the, the positioning of the American voter. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to the last story uh, on the docket, and that is uh, the race uh, for uh, chair of the Republican National Committee. Right now, the current chair is Ronna McDaniel. Many Republicans uh, are calling on McDaniel to be removed from her position, blaming her for many uh, of the underperformances that Republicans uh, suffered this cycle. Uh, McDaniel all has said that she is running for re-election uh, in uh, early 2023, when they have the race uh, for Republican National Committee chair. Uh, but um, one person who is already challenging her uh, is the controversial uh, owner of my pillow, Mike Lindell. Lindell announced uh, on uh, Monday, that's the day that we're recording this episode, uh, that he is uh, running uh, against. Uh, her for the position. Um, but he's not the only Republican who is considering challenging um, uh, Ronna McDaniel. Uh, Lee Zeldin, former congressman from New York and Republican nominee for governor of New York in 2022, has said he is actively contemplating the idea of challenging Ronna McDaniel uh, for chair of the Republican National Committee. Uh, Zeldin was defeated by Kathy Hochul, the incumbent governor, uh, but overperformed margins, uh, losing by five points uh, in the election, making him the uh, 
first uh, Republican are making uh, him uh, the uh, giving him a bigger margin than any Republican candidate for governor of New York since 2002. That was the last time Republicans ever won a governorship in the state of New York. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on uh, the challenges uh, against uh, Ronna McDaniel for Republican National Committee Chair? Uh, well, let's, <laughs> if the My Pillow guy becomes the Republican Committee Chairman, it's over. It is. It is over. There will at least be a, a bunch of splinter parties that will come out of it, but I don't think that likely will ever happen. Uh, oh, by the way, former crackhead, which, hey, I believe in redemption like everyone else does. Uh, you know, America always roots for the underdog. But I just think the Republican Party can do much, much better, and that's putting it mildly. Now, Lee Zeldin, who did outperform uh, expectations in New York, but I think partially the wind in his sails kind of falls back to the – you know, all politics is local in New York State. Uh, the bail reform, which essentially lets you rob a bank and go see the judge and he lets you out, and then you can go rob another bank and repeat, um, it just fails the common sense test for most, most folks. Uh, bail reform, sure. What we've done in New York State is is practically insane, and we're pretending it's not. And it looks like recidivism um, is up something like 6% year over year, uh, went from 17% re-arrest uh, percentage to 18% uh, re-arrest. So that's not nothing. Um, and we'll have to see how that trend continues. But I think Zeldin uh, very smartly um, you know, tried to leverage that. And he does, I, I, I watched the debate and I saw a couple of his long form uh, speeches for the Republican Party. Um, he, he is, might be okay. Uh, the only problem I think with Lee Zeldin is the baggage that Trump brings along. Now that, that may be my opinion and it may be such that um, there's actually some, um, uh, bonus there for Zeldin to be sort of Trump supporter light, but he did not want to vote um, to certify the election in 2020. And so that's worrisome, but probably not worrisome enough to deny him RNC chair. Um, I think New York State picked up four congressional seats for the Republican Party and generally um, was seen as uh, shifting right, and I've seen a lot of the electoral analysis maps, um, and it looks like every county, every single county in New York State shifted right from where they were um, in 2020 in terms of their voting. That doesn't mean that the county was, um, you know, was blue, uh, relatively more red uh, than it was two years ago. How much of that can you attribute to Zeldin? I'm not sure, um, but probably he did enough to get, uh, you know, New Yorkers out to the ballots. I think in New York, uh, Republicans outperformed New York Democrats something like 67% to 43% in terms of registered uh, voters within each of their respective parties and who, who actually came out to vote. So um, it will be interesting to see. 
Uh, I don't think you'll, hopefully, we would never see a world where the MyPillow guy is the chairman of anything other than his pillow company. And, <laughs> and we'll see if, you know, how far Zeldin can go. All right. Well, that about wraps up today's episode of Politics Weekly. Scott Stalker, thank you again for joining me. Pleasure to be. Pleasure to be with you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. And everyone listening, make sure to tune in uh, every Tuesday for a new episode of Politics Weekly. Hi, I'm Nolan Cleary, award-winning journalist and host of the hit podcast, Politics Weekly. I'm here to tell you about my new website, nolancleary.com. It's full of political analyses, a link to my podcast, and predictions for upcoming elections. If you want to know everything there is to know about upcoming elections, go to nolancleary.com right now.